This week, I had an, actually it was yesterday, I was doing a funeral service for a, a father of a seven-year-old. I had a two-year-old, seven-year-old, and a uh, 16-year-old. And I had to read the little boy's eulogy for him. It's really hard to read. <laughs> like, not just for the content, but the scribbling, you know, wasn't very neat. But one line grabbed me. And I usually don't, I'm very careful how I bring God and using God language in a service that's uh, not churchy. Because I do a lot of services for people that don't have a church background, so I do a call the God light or diet God version. And uh, I bring Jesus with me, and they can't do anything about that. Um, but how I let him out is really important. Well, the one line said, Dear God, I hope you'll like my dad. And I went, Ugh. And in the room was definitely filled with people that I believe would not think God would like them. There's a lot of people like that. I'm going by external appearances, but I'm also reading the pain of life in the faces of many who were there. It was just obvious, hurting people. And I thought, i got to tell these people something quick. And I said, Jack, i got to tell you something. God does like your dad. Absolutely. He likes all of you. He's not mad at anybody. At all. In fact, I said, your behavior does not determine how much God likes you because he is crazy about you. And I was thinking in the back of my mind, nothing can separate us from the love of God. (laughs) So I'm praying the Holy Spirit spoke something into some people there. But unfortunately, this world thinks God's mad. Well, I'm sorry, but the Christmas story is all about his goodness and his declaration of good news. The angels came and said, we bring you great tidings of good news, all that stuff. That'll be for some believers who say the right prayer. Is that what it says? Or if you go to a certain church, it's good news for you. No. The good news is for the entire world. And because it's news, it has already happened. There's nothing you can do about it. Today's story is going to deal with some names. Names of individuals who have been walking through a journey of pain. And I'd like to talk about moving from shame to freedom. Our world is filled with shame. We feel terrible about patterns and choices that we've done in our lives And we're embarrassed with relatives that have also made horrible choices and they oh, I'm not related. You know, all that kind of, we just do that. that Y'all have them, I know. (laughs) Shame speaks deeply to our society. It's the hidden lie that criticizes our identity. And the more we hear shame, the more we believe it. Whether it's true or not, we just begin to believe it. So here at Hope Fellowship, we want to speak hope into you. We want to speak good news into you because there's enough negative voices out there. You need to hear the truth. And the truth, Jesus, he is truth, will set you free. Not truths will set you free. The truth, Jesus himself. There's a big difference. To get our story going of where and who in this story would be dealing with shame, let's watch this next video clip. If we could have the house lights off. Stage lights off too. Here we go.
Please work. All right, Jake, you're going to have to do some magic and click on it. I'm really sorry. What do you mean you can't speak? You put that down and talked to me, Zachariah. You went to the temple to burn incense, and now you can't speak. Because you doubted. <laughs> what does that even mean? You doubted what an angel told you. Oh, now it's all making sense. <laughs> Are you feeling all right? Huh? Maybe you should sit down. <laughs> oh, I should sit down. Listen, whatever game you're playing, I really wanted to stop, Zachariah. It isn't funny. This isn't funny, Zachariah. <sighs> An angel told you this. The angel said that our prayers have been heard. That you, my love, will bear a son. That we will be filled with joy and gladness. And that many will rejoice at his birth. like Elijah he will prepare our people for the Lord <laughs> what am I going to do oh I'm too old to be a mother and you you can't even speak can't even speak until he's bored. <laughs> oh, that might not be the worst thing. <laughs> I can't wait to tell my cousin Mary. We'll call him Zachariah, yes? Yikes, that was good.
names matter. About six months ago, I shared with you the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the power of their names and how the Babylonians tried to change their names by speaking a new identity into them. Names matter. Names in biblical times was just not a flippant, ooh, that one sounds cute, that one rhymes with that, and this one's trendy. It's nothing to do with that. The names had deep, profound meanings. They carried a destiny. They were even prophetic speaking of what could still come in their lives, of what they were going to be destined to be and who they were going to be. Their names mattered. And the parents spoke the names into the womb. That's why it was on that front end. We're going to, they named them when they found out they were pregnant so they could begin speaking the name into the womb. Names matter. Your name matters. Some of you don't even know what your name means. I had a lady come up to me when I was in Edmonton and she said, do you know what your name means? And well, sort of. She had a German accent. And turns out she knew what my last name meant. I was like, what? Who knows that? Why is that in your memory? Tsenker means sunken, to goof around. It's true. told you normal's boring. I couldn't believe I heard it from somebody else. Like, that is so cool. I didn't know that, but to have her affirm that, I was like, oh yeah. Names matter. It was Michael that she was after. You guys can look that up if you care, because it's my story. I can look it up. But today I want to talk to you about some other names. Names can be rich with symbolic meaning. Zechariah and the family and all the friends when the baby was born assumed, according to tradition, he was going to be named Zechariah because that's what you do. It's very southern. Bob, Billy Bob, Bob Jr., Bob. Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) This was a special child, though. And God had a new name for this child. And both will be fulfilled both the dream of having a child and the prophecy of the coming Messiah. I find it interesting. Two things I pulled out of here. Well, no, the second part you're going to hear coming, but two things I got out of of preparation today. They were expecting a Messiah. Have you caught that part in the story? Why do you think wise men came? We're going to talk about them on another Sunday, maybe. Why do you think they arrived at just the right time. Because somehow they knew something about the era. Funny, we talked about the story of Daniel and the prophecy there in our End Time series. I, I, I know some people are excited about all the other stuff, but somehow the picture of that statue in the book of Daniel representing times, even to the ten toes, being the time of the coming of the rock, Jesus, people were expecting, with expectancy, we've got to be close. They knew. They knew it was going to be close. Luke 1, 5 to 7. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. Whoops, back. 57 to 66. 
Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. Wouldn't you be laughing your head off too? Woman that old having a baby. (laughs) Woo! All right. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would call him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. What do you think you're doing? And they made sign, uh, sorry, and, she, and they said to her, none of your relatives are called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what they wanted him to be called. They obviously tried to veto her voice and went, well, I'm not going to listen to you. What do you think, Zechariah? <laughs> and they made these signs and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote his name is John and they all wondered and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessing God and the fear came on their neighbors <laughs> And all these things were talked about through the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, What what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. This is huge. This is a small village that have big mouths. Something was happening and they knew it. The spirit of God made it real to the people for it was a burning story. They couldn't get enough of it. I'm going to tell you the names of the, the meanings of the names of the three characters we're dealing with today, primary characters. Zechariah means God remembers. God remembers. Elizabeth, oh, this is a good one. It means God is my oath. It was a promise made to her that she's going to have a child. And God is my oath. And this one's really cool. John. It means God has been gracious. The name is Grace. Amazing. And this whole story will will pull it all out. So, names matter. What if I were to yell out, David! Lawrence! You you would know I'm talking to you because you kind of, I'm nodding here. I got his attention. I have that kind of power. <laughs> Names have power, guys. As soon as I command a name, I can, I can get someone's attention pretty quick. Having a name, you have control for a moment. How do we know this? Story of Moses. Moses is going around with his sheep, and suddenly God calls out to him, Moses! And he goes, what? There's nobody around. What the heck? And this burning bush... Is calling out to him by his name. Not only that, but then Moses asks, Who shall I say sent me? And he said, You tell them that, here it is, here's the name, I am sent you, bringing power. And they knew what it meant. So that when the angel came and spoke to Zechariah and Elizabeth, It was an unbreakable oath when he promised a child would be born. And it would be fulfilled once the child was obviously born. 
So let's take a look at the story. How does God remember? How does he make an oath? And how does he show graciousness through the circumstances leading up to this event? You and I need to hear some good news today. Some of us are walking through some not-so-nice events. The last year or two may have been hell or confusing, not able to figure it out. And we need some help and hope. And some of you, it's been 10 years or more. And if you don't know what it's like, you be the comforter to those who are walking through it now because you may have walked through it at some point. Everybody will experience pain. Those who do tend to have greater love and understanding for others. The more that's handed to us on our platter, the more we expect. It's funny how that works. Luke 1, 5 to 7. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blameless in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. That's translated to old. Just in case you can't figure that out. Zechariah and Elizabeth were both from priestly families. Now, this is significant among the Jews because there was a different, unique prestige and a a respect, even if one of them was just from from the line of priests. But here, both were Elizabeth and Zechariah. This is big because it's through that line, through that old covenant picture, God blesses and brings in the one who's going to announce the coming Savior, the one who will lead the way through these two people. But there was also deep sadness that was associated with their lives. In biblical days, to be childless brought sorrow and shame and actually hasn't changed much even today. Those who can't have children have wanted them. There's this sense of, what, what did I do wrong? Why can't my body work right? And the, the shame and lies begin to speak. And it's tough. It's really tough. Elizabeth understood this deeply. But others chattered and wondered, well... I wonder what great sin or secret sin she did to be barren. Because they associated it with a curse from God. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Because we just finished reading, they lived righteously before God. There was no wrong, and yet they were given barrenness. How many times do you and I think, why is this stuff happening to me? What did I ever do wrong? How did I tick you off today? Like, seriously? Anybody? good. I'm not alone. But it's real. And I've got to tell you, your God can handle that kind of conversation. No problem. Some religious people can't. They go, don't talk to us like that. Oh no. No, be real. Your heavenly father can handle a good rant. Just read the Psalms. There's a lot of good rants there. To equate infertility with sin is flat out wrong. But infertility carries with it painful emotions that are very real. Barren is a horrible used to describe the condition of being childless. On top of that, barren was a word for land that produced nothing. So imagine, you have a label above your head, barren. How does that make you feel? Not good. Soon they would all change. 
Little did she know her destiny would be wrapped up in her name. God is my oath, the promise given to her. She was about to join the ranks of her ancestors. Both Sarah and Hannah were two other infertile women who miraculously gave birth at an old age. There is hope. There is hope. Hannah's story is found in 1 Samuel, Sarah's in Genesis. The story of Sarah goes like this. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. Previously, when she heard the prophecy, she laughed because of it. (laughs) That can't be true. There's no way. And the angel heard her giggle through the tent because it's kind of thin. And then she said, who would, have said to Ab- who would have said to Abraham and Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. There's a direct parallel here. Old Testament, New Testament. Sarah's womb no longer was equated with barrenness and death. Now it was a place where creative, miraculous act had happened. A place where life had been housed and come forth. And soon Elizabeth is going to experience the same joy. It's a very exciting time. The Apostle Paul would compare such a conception to the resurrection from the dead. He, he said this in Galatians 4. Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud. You are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. A lot of promise in that. With the birth of John, everybody was soon going to be celebrating. Because this was the dawn and advent of greater things to come. The coming of Jesus Christ, who's going to be uh, born not too, farther, too much later. Now back to the story. Luke 1. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. The whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Now Lot is not a guy, okay? That's an Old Testament character. This Lot has to do with gambling, in a sense, or putting all the names in a hat and picking out the one who's going exper- to get, get to do these, this uh, event. I'm going to give you some history, because I never knew this stuff. I never, uh, you learn some of this stuff in Bible college, but really, how much do you retain? Very little. That's why they have the internet. So here's what happened. Just kidding. <laughs> Zechariah. He was a priest. He was a part of the division called Abijah. And it's mentioned in 1 Chronicles 24. King David organized them into 24 groups that would serve the temple. They would come for one week, twice a year, and they would serve the people. So there's a lot of people involved of doing this. And what their job would be doing is to bring sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem. Each division essentially served twice a year and would travel into Jerusalem for their week of service. Scholars estimate that during the time of Zechariah served as priest, there are approximately 20,000 Jewish priests among the 24 different divisions. That's a lot of priests. So getting picked to do this special incense, it wasn't the big offering that we hear about where the priest goes in once a year. It wasn't that one. This is, happened twice a day. 
twice a day he went in. They'd be called on to do these duties. And he was one of them. Morning and late afternoon, the burning of incense on the altar inside the holy place of the temple. No Gentiles were ever allowed in there, only Jews, and in the center part, only the priests. The way such responsibility was assigned was by method of casting lots. You know, who's going to get the vote this time? And it's a lifetime, once in a lifetime chance. So here he goes in, according to Exodus 30, that's where all the story comes out. I'm uh, I'm not going to actually read that because it's quite long. But um, in Exodus 30, it shows what this incense is all about. So he's doing that. He's paralleling in that day before Jesus comes, this duty. It was tied to the Ark of the Covenant. But in Luke, here, let's continue the story. I think this is really, really going to be good. And there appeared to him an angel. This is while he's in there. So that alone should freak you out. All right? An angel shows up. Do you know how many times I pray for an angel to show up? Okay, just, just, just one glimpse of an angel, God. That'd be, I, I believe so much more, you know? I already believe, but just a bit more encouragement would be really good, you know? Anybody ever pray that? Okay, I'm the only one. Fine. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, the famous line, do not be afraid. Hmm. Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, which was the custom of the Nazarites, for those that are dedicated strictly to the Lord. Everybody else can drink and have fun. Even his, from his mother's womb, he will turn many of the children of God to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, This is the angel talking. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. A people prepared for what, folks? The coming Messiah. This is the forerunner, the big mouth, the announcer, the trumpeteer. The Savior is coming. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am old and my wife is advanced in years. Would you question an angel? If you, if, if you had that kind of a huge angelic thing there, would, would you question that? Would you kind of be bumbling, go, oh, no, okay, whatever you say? But he challenged him. He said, how is this possible? He really was wondering, humanly. He said, uh, do you not recognize this earth suit is really old and can't perform quite as well as it used to? And, and my wife, same thing, you know, like, come on. How, is this, how shall this be? And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Wow. Sucks for him. He got the raw deal. 
Well, when we punish our kids and they do something wrong, or we discipline them, better word, when we discipline them, we send them off to a corner for five, ten minutes, or ground them for a week, he gets nine months. He gets a nine-month penalty of silence. His wife was pretty happy about that, probably. Either way. Because not long later, Gabriel goes and talks to Mary. What happens to Mary? This is not fair. Mary, you're going to have a baby. How is this possible? I don't know, man. Well, she gets a whole song and dance and a whole angel choir. Why didn't she get shot up for nine months? You know? No, uh, who knows? But same angel. <laughs> when you think about it, that was a huge timeout Zechariah got. Listen to this. From the beginning, God has been authoring a story that leads to salvation, deliverance, and rescue for all people who will call upon his holy name. This is what Christmas is all about. It's about the advent or the arrival of God. He's following through on his promise and oath to bring a deliverer, a Messiah. He's bringing a people who are in darkness into a new day of marvelous light. We clearly know we're not celebrating an advent of a coming Savior. We're celebrating the Savior who has arrived. And he arrived 2,000 years ago. He's here now, living in us and amongst us. Zechariah and Elizabeth have been praying for a birth and the advent of the Messiah for the people, but they're also praying for a child of their own. I'll bet you they stopped praying after a certain time. Just a good guess. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been so shocked at this thing. God was about to answer both. And I'm sure they're asking, why? Why? Why, God? How many times do we ask God, why? Why is this happening? Or when? When, God? When are you going to do this? Man, our timetables are so different than God's. And sometimes he comes through right at the last second, or sometimes he lets it crash and burn because he has a different purpose for your crash and burn that you had know nothing about, but you can't experience it until you walk all the way through. And you're not alone. All things work together for good. All things, not some, all. Even the crappy circumstance you may be in, even the unjustness that may be put onto you, even how life may seem unfair right now, why, why, why? Or regretting decisions you've made. All things work together for good. That's what the Christmas story is about. This was a plan, it was a setup. God makes us wait. Elizabeth and Sarah had to wait. And to their old women, can you imagine being 100 years old running after a five-year-old? I'm watching the back row back there. I'm thinking, there's no way. <laughs> Come on, Shani. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Simeon was told to sit in front of a temple. Listen to this, folks. <laughs> Here's the second part of, that I thought was really cool. If they were expecting a savior then, here's another person expecting a savior. They knew something about the times. In Luke 2, 25 to 35, I'm going to read the whole thing. It says this. At the time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Wow. And he's getting old. So you're thinking, did I hear right? Wouldn't you second guess? I would. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. 
So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. I think they had a lot of amazed stories. If you read enough, there's a lot more coming still. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. He was warning her of what was coming. Her little cute baby was going to be mocked and eventually killed. Whether she knew it or not, he was speaking prophecy into her. This is a deep story. I've never put this story together like this before. But it is rich. Jewish people have been waiting for centuries. The advent of prophecy. Here's an example. Three Old Testament texts. Isaiah 40, verse 3 says, A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the desert a highway for our God. In Malachi 3, 1 says, Behold, I send a messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. John the Baptist. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming says the Lord of hosts. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Remember, he was prophesied that John would be as Elijah. Like it's all coming together. There's actually a plan here. Zechariah asks for a sign, and the angel gave him one. Yep, you can't talk there. Ha! Careful if you ask for a sign. <laughs> Here's the problem. The silence did more than just silence him. <laughs> Do you remember what I said earlier? It was a once-in-a-lifetime chance to, to do this altar incense thing. He couldn't finish. Because he was supposed to do a prayer, and then he was supposed to walk out and do a prayer before the people. He couldn't finish. And people were getting worried, because there's a bit of a history in the Jewish history that if a priest has, walks into a temple unclean or has sinned, they die and they have to somehow get him out. They were wondering, what is taking so long? What happened? What could he have done wrong? And they were relieved when he came out, but also in shock because he could not speak. And it was obvious that he had seen a vision. Everybody knew it. So not only this, he, his sign was not just for him. It was for all the people. This story was going to go out big because this had never happened before. He was supposed to say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. There was a sigh when he came out, but a gasp when they found out he was mute. Zechariah did the best without his voice to describe what had happened. In Luke 1, 23 to 25, he says this. 
And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. She was celebrating the barrenness. She was celebrating the oath and the promise God had given to her. The shame ended. The stigma ended. Zechariah could speak again. And when he did, he sang. The Lord had been gracious. He fulfilled all of their names. It was a good news day. It was the beginning of an advent. And today, I want to tell you something you may not know. A promise has been given to you. A promise of life. Life has been given. Forgiveness has been given. You need to receive it. Believe it. That's it. Just believe it. And you will enter into an experience that will change your life forever. It's not hard. It's actually very simple. If it's a complicated message, it's not the gospel. It's simple. And Jesus came to bring life and offer forgiveness for all. And he does it. He does it marvelously with a bang. So this Christmas, three more Sundays to go. How is God going to reveal his promises to you? And there's lots of promises he's made to you. Perhaps you can spend some time discovering them and what they mean to you personally. This is good news, and it's good news for everybody. Will you please bow your heads in order of prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I pray you reveal this good news. Jesus, I pray you be light to every single person here. Reveal the goodness of our Heavenly Father to everyone. Reveal that he is loving and doting on us. Reveal that he has forgiven. Reveal that he likes us too. Not just loves us, but he likes us. And our behavior cannot change that fact. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.